You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can you tell me what menopause is? When a woman uh, no longer experiences their period. Good for you! How would you define menopause? Uh, Well, I never experienced it. (laughs) So, I wouldn't know. I don't know. Stop getting your period. (laughs) Oh gosh. I'm trying to learn what that is because I've been told I'm moving into it. And I just don't understand it. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of information out there about it. Well, we're going to change that. It's a different period. Like maybe, to me, maybe a second puberty, but a different type of process. You, as a woman, that's when you stop your menstrual cycle. So that basically means that you're no longer to like, like, you know, carry childbirth. Or if you do, it's going to be complications. Like she has so many eggs and so many hormones, right? And then she reaches a point where the eggs start to run out or hormones change. And that creates a ton of crazy changes throughout your body. Um, menopause is when is during a stage in life where the woman loses her eggs and the ability to get pregnant. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, menopause is the change that a woman goes through when she can no longer have kids, and her body starts to change, and her hormones change, and it's, it takes her into the next part of her life. What is menopause? Menopause is freedom. <laughs> this is my favorite interview of the day. Welcome to the Women of Tomorrow live podcast recording where we seek to raise the social consciousness around women's issues in entertaining ways. I'm Lara Bell Bundy. And I'm Shay Carter. Women's health issues have had doctors perplexed for years because most of them are men. And because of that, women's health issues have been put on the back burner. And listen, we as women have so much shame around our bodies. We feel like we have to keep quiet, especially around things like periods, fertility issues, our age, and of course, menopause. A subject so dreaded its real name is avoided by using these terms. The change, reverse puberty, ovarian retirement, and our personal favorite, the baby factory is closed. At Women of Tomorrow, we want you to know everything about your body and how to deal with all of its beautiful complexity without shame. So tonight, we are getting real with this live podcast 
Menno, pause. What is happening? And why is men in the title? (laughs) (laughs) Comedian, writer, and author of Let Me Be Frank, a book about women who dressed like men to do shit they weren't supposed to do, Tracy Dawson, has been a guest on our podcast and our Women's History Night on our app and community. Guys, please welcome Tracy Dawson. Hey, Tracy. Now, Tracy, you told me that if we were ever going to do a class or an event on menopause, you wanted to be involved. Why? Yeah, I just, it's like, um, many years ago, I was like, I was texting something and like autocorrect, didn't recognize the word menopause. And I was like, excuse me? Like it just, it, 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 it just filled me with rage. I think even perimenopause now, like when I texted you earlier, there's still a little red line under it. Like it doesn't recognize it as a real word. And so this is just something that I felt for a long time that shouldn't be something that we talk about only when we start to feel it. Like, why aren't we talking about it all the time? It's happening to half of the population. And so this whole like autocorrect thing is just like, we don't talk about this enough. There's not enough studies behind it. We don't value it enough. And so I'm just super passionate, as you could tell. So I am just, thank you for having me on so I can just, you know, voice some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can ask questions to our experts. So shall we bring on our expert? Yes. Tamsin Fadal is a 13-time Emmy-winning journalist. She anchors four new newscasts in New York City on WPIX-TV and can be seen at the anchor desk at 4, 5, 6, and 10 p.m. each weeknight. <laughs> Jesus, girl. She also hosts and produces a weekly national television show, The Broadway Show, with Tamsin Fadal that nationally airs in 118 markets across the U.S., covering 92% of the country and targeting a demographic that is 68% women. But it was her own experience off camera that changed her life. Tamsin landed on the bathroom floor as a result of severe menopause symptoms. Tamsin went back to school at the IIN Integrative Institute of Nutrition to become certified as a menopause wellness coach. Today, she is now on a menopause. She is now a menopause advocate for women, including in the news workplace. She is working on implementing a menopause policy at one of the largest media companies in the country. No other, no other female reporter is taking such a bold step to put it all out there and break through this stigma talking about the change. She has an established and dedicated TikTok and Instagram community by being raw, open, and honest about her experiences. She was recently featured in Forbes, Bloomberg, as one of the leading voices to bring menopause to the forefront of the TikTok platform. And now we're going to take a look at one of her TikToks. But I wish I knew before menopause. Educating younger women is essential to me. I never had my mother here, so I didn't know what to expect. That there would be lots of different options to help with the effects of menopause, both hormonal and non-hormonal. That I wouldn't be alone and I'd find an incredible community of women that I could have a conversation with that I didn't know existed before. That there's no pause in menopause. It's a transition and it's also really a time that you can thrive. That way it would become part of my life's work to advocate for women out there who I know need to normalize this conversation. Y'all, please welcome Tamsin Fadal. Girl, you are busy. You're busy. Um, hey, how are you? <laughs> you guys, are, you're so sweet. I can't believe it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is such a great conversation if you have it. Yes, it is. Well, so, we have four shows a week and 13 Emmys and like... <laughs> 
How did you handle one when more When do I thing? have time for menopause? No, um, you, I, you have this story and I want you to tell it about how menopause literally slapped you in the face at work. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, uh, well, first of all, it was, it's, when I sit, when I sit and I look at the videos that you're showing me, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I, I never thought I'd be a poster child for menopause, but I got to tell you, I was um, anchoring the newscast one night at 1030. Um, I wasn't feeling great. I had been having a, um, I've been having brain fog, you know, and I, and I didn't, I didn't call it that because I didn't know what it was. I was just having a real tough time uh, grasping words all the time, seeing a word, not recognizing the word, knowing I knew it, but didn't, couldn't, couldn't get it out of my mouth. And this one particular night was just bad. And I was and and, um, you know, it, it hit your confidence in a big way when you can't remember a word or read. <laughs> That's like the only thing that I'm, I'm supposed to do at night is read the teleprompter. And I was having a hard time doing it. And it was about 1030. And um, I started to feel like these heart palpitations, right, and nauseous and felt like I was going to pass out. And I said, uh, if I fall over, someone catch me because I work in a studio. And it was, you know, it's all men in the studio at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, one of the guys had the foresight. He goes, I think you should get off the chair and you should, you know, get off the desk. Are you okay? And I said, I really actually don't know. And he led me in the bathroom and I just, I just went down to the floor. And um, and I just needed my, to cool my whole body down because I didn't know what was happening. And I'd never heard, never heard the word perimenopause. I never talked about menopause because my mother died when I um, when she was 51 years old. But she had gone through, I've since found out, a surgical menopause. Um, but it was never anything we talked about. And so after that happened, I went doctor to doctor to doctor trying to figure it out. I was prescribed anti-depressants. Uh, I was told get more sleep. I was told stop having caffeine. I was all these different things. And um, finally, I did a, a test to test my blood. And I said, oh, you're menopausal. You're not even perimenopausal. You're menopausal. Like what your numbers are way down. Your estrogen's way down. And I was prescribed uh, hormones, but I was scared to take them at the time because I was misinformed. So that is where I set out on a journey to figure out how to inform myself. And then as a, as a consequence, help inform other women too. Mm. Yeah. How could you trust what they were giving you when four minutes before they're trying to give you antidepressants? <laughs> I, uh, you know, though my story is not unusual, uh, my story is really, really common. And, you know, since then we've seen a lot of it in the headlines recently but the truth is is there are a lot of women that don't have information because not even a lot of the doctors do they're um i'm sorry guys i'm actually at, at an event so i apologize my hand is in front of the camera here <laughs> but this is really important to me um but you know a lot of doctors get one to two hours of training in this in medical school so when doctors aren't feeling comfortable about how to deal with menopausal symptoms it's impossible for women or people who are going to these doctors to understand what to do and what's right and what's not so i've just been really grateful to meet a number of doctors who are out there advocating and trying to make sure that we have the right information and i want to help you know, spread their message Absolutely. Tamsa, can I jump in and just ask, because this is just yeah. making me, I recently saw a post by Dr. Lisa Moscone, who I absolutely am obsessed with, that in the She's last brilliant. NIH reporting period, National Institute of Health, about $5 billion in federal funds were allocated for women's health, right, yeah. research, and of that amount, a paltry $15 million out of $5 billion yeah. was put aside yeah. for menopause research. I wanted to burn something down. And so I guess I want to ask you like, and I don't know if you have the answer, but like you're here and amazing. So can we do something like, can we write letters? Can we like make a stink? I'm absolutely losing my mind. How is it that half the population is going through this? And so many medical professionals are still, I mean, they don't have the funding for the research. 
Well, that's that's the sad part of it. And, you know, there's going to be one billion women globally uh, in menopause, whether it's uh, menopause or postmenopausal by the year 2025. The UK is very far ahead of us in terms of, of educating and making sure they get the word out. Um, in terms of funding, though, you're right, we're grossly underfunded when it comes to women's health across the board, especially in this space of menopause. Menopause is a space where a lot of people shrugged and said, well, there's really not anything we can do about it. So what's the point of teaching and what's the point of talking about it? Um, you know, I'm sure you understand, uh, know, are familiar with the Women's Health Study, uh, Women's Health Initiative of 2002 that really confused a lot of people and left a lot of people uncertain about hormones. 40% of the population was on hormones at the time. It went down to 4% and we're still at that number right now. There are a lot of groups, I know, there are a lot of groups out there advocating for awareness and for funding. And so, yes, there are a number of measures that are going to be going to effect to make sure that, you know, we fight for that because if we don't have the dollars that are going toward this kind of research, then we will sit here confused 10, 20, 30 years from now. And that's not okay. Well, I read something. I all, um, we're all excited. <laughs> you go, Laura. Well, I just think I read something that was interesting on your uh, one of your TikToks um, that over 20 million women enter menopause every year in the U.S. alone. And when you think about how that is impacting us in the workforce, that's 20 percent of the workforce. So that's impacting all of these women that are working that are not talking about it. Um that are sort of suffering silently. And I feel like, sure. there's, you know, again, like Shay said, that there's all these types of issues, whether it be periods or miscarriages or whatever, that we just don't talk about and that we we, we feel afraid to talk about or shame to talk sure. about. Embarrassed. Um, yep. Right. Um, and I thought since we are talking about this topic about doctors, I wanted to play one of your videos. Oh, sure. Is doctors... Uh, female doctors, how much time they spent learning about menopause in medical school? Oh, how long did I learn about menopause in medical school? Oh, maybe a couple hours? I literally don't remember learning about it in medical school. I don't think it was zero, but it was brief. In medical school, I learned about menopause for less than a month, and my training was um, 12 years. In medical school, just that it was the end of your periods. Um, in residency, I did an OBGYN residency. We learned a little bit more, but we had no menopause clinics. We probably maybe two to three percent of all of my uh, OBGYN residency training was spent on menopause. Oh my gosh, virtually no, nothing uh, about menopause at all. So I had to do all this research by myself and had to convince my colleagues that it's a really important topic to cover. I learned zero about menopause. I did not learn about menopause until I was 38 years old. How many hours did you learn about menopause in medical school? Um, about zero. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, I gotta go and, lie down. Also, <laughs> and, and let me tell you who you're seeing there. You are seeing a sleep doctor. You are seeing a cardiologist. You are seeing, I think there's two OBGYNs there. Um, you're seeing women that have now become menopause specialists, which is really incredible to me, menopause practitioners, because they realize that there's such a need. Um, I'm trying to think who else was in that one. And there's a scientist there, actually, who owns a, a, te a telehealth company. Oh, no. A number of doctors. Okay. Oh, sorry. You're seeing doctors. Okay. You're seeing doctors from all different walks of uh, of life there, and um, 
and not learning, not getting educated, wanting, having to go and educate themselves. And so, you know, kudos to them for talking to us about it, but more so for being there and being out front and, um, and trying to figure out what we can all do about it together. And this is the only way it raises our voices is if there is somebody from, from everywhere speaking out about it and not being afraid. I mean, I, I didn't know I was ever going to speak out this loudly about it, you know, what had happened to me because I didn't even know what was happening. But um, I have met too many women to sit silent. Like, I, I can't do it. I've heard so many stories and uh, talked to so many women and have so many women in the community reach out to me that I, I can't be quiet about it anymore. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. So what what made you go to school? Or do you Shay, do you have that that question still well, burning? I heard, yeah, because I heard this statistic that made me so upset and it was that one out of every 10 women will be unable to work because their symptoms from menopause are sure. so severe. And sure. then that's not considered a disability. So your employer can let you go. They can't fire you because of this, but they can let you go because you're missing work because it's not considered a disability. I just saw something before I logged on tonight. I've studied this week from the Mayo Clinic. Mayo? Yeah. Mayo? Mayonnaise Mayo. Clinic? Just kidding. <laughs> the uh, that it was something great. like an estimated $1.8 billion was lost for women's, like the equivalent of the work time that they lose because of menopause. I guess that's a year. Like that's insane. Yeah, it's really startling. Um, you know, and it's, it's something a lot of employers are, are taking note and they're talking about now. There's a lot of companies out there educating employers. So I give it up to any any employer who's even starting this conversation. And listen, we have so many conversations to be had almost all at the same time. We've got to have the funding. We've got to have people who need uh, hormones to be able to get them. If somebody is not able to get them or they can't afford them or they don't have access to them or you know, somebody they don't get them paid for, it's very, very difficult. I know for a fact that I, I don't know that I'd be sitting here being able to talk to you like I am today if I did not decide to start hormone therapy. And uh, I don't know that I'd be able to work the way I'm working today if I didn't start hormone therapy. It was very necessary for me. I tried to go a non-hormonal route and it, it didn't take for me. Um, that's not to say that you know hormones are for everybody, but for me, it made a big difference. But the truth of the matter is, is we have to have the research so women know whether or not that's what they want in terms of their, you know, their choices. And they have to be able to make an educated decision for themselves. So we need that research money first. And then we have to have employers, you know, kind of take note of exactly what's going on. I mean, the, the big concern with it in the workplace is you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to have that stigma either, you know, because menopause is associated with aging. And a lot of people are still very afraid of those numbers. I'm also mm. very afraid of like having to take something for the rest of my life, which I know a lot of women are. And 
what I've wondered before is because menopause is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, because again, it's so not talked about that we don't get to ask these questions and get these answers from our female communities. Um, I went, menopause is, um, is a season of your life, right? There's, there's an end to menopause. And so are you on hormones then relying on them for the rest of your life? Or do you just take them during the season and the transitional part of menopause? Well, it's not a season. It's actually, once you're in menopause, you're in menopause for the rest of your life. It means you're post-menopausal. Oh. It doesn't mean that you have the most severe of the symptoms. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the symptoms that you might have in perimenopause. And I've even noticed some of mine, you know, obviously there's, there's the hormone aspect of it, but I've noticed a lot of mine not as severe as they were in the beginning. At the beginning, I couldn't sleep even a little bit. I, I had night sweats. I still get hot flashes from time to time, but that there was a lack of estrogen. I've since, you know, the hormones have helped with that. So you're in, you're in menopause, uh, you know, postmenopausal. So you're perimenopausal up to the day after you haven't had your period for 12 months. And then after that day, that's uh, menopause is a day. You're post, you're considered postmenopausal. Uh, that doesn't mean you take hormones the rest of your life. And there, there's still research that needs to be done with that. You know, some doctors, you know, there was a question of whether or not, I'm not a doctor, so I just want to make, make sure yeah. everybody knows that. <laughs> but um, I've just done my share of research, but my understanding is, is that, you know, some people say you can take it up to 10 years. Some people say you can take it beyond that. Some people have done it longer. So I think it, everybody, it's up to every individual. And I think that that's something you have to discuss with a doctor that has been educated about this and, and is comfortable treating it. It's not so much even the is comfortable treating it you want your doctor mm -hmm. to feel comfortable you wouldn't go into heart surgery with a doctor that didn't feel comfortable about treating it you know you don't want to go into to this that way either right it's interesting because like one of the things like that when i was younger and like still probably many people today because there's so much like lack of knowledge is like you know, one size all and it's exactly the opposite that it's exact mm -hmm. it's super individual and very uh, individual and and that is like really kind of it was surprised like I, it blew my mind like how it's just yeah. like just like everybody's period and your menstruation is like super individual it's just like your 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 perimenopause your menopausal period is all it's going to be individual as well which is why it's like having that individual like that relationship with a doctor who can yeah. like walk you through it and you know unfortunately we have to do a lot of self-advocacy and it's just right. like it's like a beautiful thing that we can come together and share stories but it's like it's we're just so far behind that it's just like it's it's depressing it's hard not to feel like like <laughs> really pumped out so well I, I feel i I feel excited that we're talking about it, though, because two years ago, we really weren't. Some people were. were talking about it. You know, a lot of doctors that are menopause practitioners were talking about it, but I don't think there was enough people listening to them. You know, and I so I think I'm really, I feel excited about that. And I also feel like this is a great time to thrive in life. You know, I, I feel very different than I did 10 years ago in my life. So I feel encouraged. And, uh, you know, I'm working on a book, and that book is going to be about that, is about thriving during this time. So you don't feel uh, so much dread, because I work that you know young girls that are coming up after us I don't want them to feel afraid about getting to this point in their lives I want them to see good examples of us feeling like we can power through anything and it's not a matter of suffering through it but we get through it because we know what we're dealing with oh I totally want to jump in with one more thing because the thing is is that I've also talked to women who are like I didn't suffer through anything 
I yeah. had I had no symptoms. And so it's important to recognize it's like that's possible. It's put yeah. like you're it's like it's it's like there's extreme cases, it you is. know, and it's just like it is like, I had nothing but dread, right? It's just so taboo. And you think like you're gonna turn into a monster because like everybody said that was the jokes in the films and the TV too, right? No. Hey, well, of course, like our media has made fun of it forever. You know, it's the it's a hot, sweaty, angry, menopausal, you know, doesn't want to have sex, can't sleep woman. And that's not what it is. I mean, I'm here to tell you that's not what it is. And I, I um, go to these conferences and I talk to so many of these women. I interview so many. And they're these incredibly powerful, amazing women that have one mission. And that mission is to help other women like themselves and help the women that are coming up after them. And I think that's what's so important. Definitely. So Can thank you. So, you know, here, Shay and I are like, here we're in this place. Well, it's not really our problem until it's our problem. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of think, oh, our periods just stop, but that's not the first sign. And, you know, it's perimenopause. Um, I would love to know the difference. I'm personally terrified. I'm getting night sweats. I wake up in a thinking I have a, I've peed myself. No. Um, at least once every few weeks and it often happens the week before my period yeah. um so and after i had my son i literally had night sweats every single day for two weeks yeah. uh twice through the night so uh, what tell us perimenopause menopause postmenopause what what are the stages what are the lengths of time and how can we prepare what are our symptoms? Things like this. Well, I mean, again, it's every, everybody's individual. You know, some people will go through perimenopause. It could be seven years of different kinds of symptoms, right? Just different symptoms that pop up from time to time. Um, menopause, again, is after you haven't had your period for 12 months. But a lot of well, I experienced very heavy bleeding. So leading up to, you know, me being in menopause, now that I look back, I realized that I was I was having a period. I'd be like three weeks and then nothing for, you know, two months and then a week and then nothing so everybody's is a little bit different. Um, for me personally, and, and a lot of women, some of the biggest you know issues that they deal with are the brain fog, are the night sweats, um, are the joint pain. Joint pain's another one. Uh, some women, you know, say they you know gain weight around the middle. I definitely you know had a difference in my body for sure. Um, and you know, brain fog, of course, is a big one. And I think a lot of women are are cognizant of that now because a lot of them are working and they're they're maybe you know maybe aware of it. Maybe they're in a conference and can't you know find the words. But that's you know perimenopause and menopause kind of you know it's all kind of blurred together because you you go up to that one day and it's that one day is menopause and then after that you're postmenopausal. Um, I still had a lot of symptoms that I dealt with postmenopausal that were very you know difficult. It's, it's kind of the same you know it's the like same thing in there. And then um, and this is, I would like a doctor to answer this over me, but my understanding is, is those symptoms will start to, you know, not be quite so severe. And so that's, that's what you're looking at, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Just be afraid if you don't have the knowledge, that's what you're yeah. afraid of. And you've got the knowledge. And I'm afraid of not questions. being able to get the knowledge. Cause if you're going to a doctor that spent two hours. Well, I think that's where you have to be, you have to be your own advocate. You know, you have to be somebody that's, you have to ask them if they're comfortable talking about hormones. You have to ask them if they're comfortable treating you non-hormonally. You have to ask them whether or not they've, you know, they feel comfortable with somebody, you know, what do they say about somebody in menopause? Do they have, you know, if they don't have the knowledge that you have right now, then you need to find another doctor. Or if they're not willing to have that conversation with you, you have to find another, you know, find somebody else that you're comfortable with. And like that's I the most important thing. I personally am like, 
I don't really have any perimenopausal symptoms, even though like with my age, I would guess that that's the, the time period that I'm, that I'm in. And I, I mean, the, the only thing that I've recognized really is like, like insane irritability. And I'm like, is that life? Like, cause that could just be no, that's life, a symptom, guys, right? <laughs> but, it could be so, life. but it's like, it seems extra. So basically yeah. I being the person that's like super the self-advocate, I was like online cause I live in Los Angeles and I want to know who are the best menopause doctors. Cause I was yeah. like, I want to have an appointment to get out in front of it. I'm so the person that wants to get out. In so front of it. so <laughs> North American menopause society known as NAMS, N-A-M-S has a a menopause practitioner where you, you can go in there and you can put your zip code in and yeah. you can find a menopause practitioner. And if not, then there are also resources with telemedicine too. And telemedicine has skyrocketed recently. And that has really been helpful to women that are in places where they can't go to somebody and see them in person, but they can get some help from somebody that's knowledgeable. And so that's, that's really important. I have I have those links um, over on Instagram. So if you if you need them, they're in my links, and I'm trying to add to those every day, just to, depending on what resources people need. So I'm at an event right now, so I have to get going because I've got to run inside of a room. But I wanted to be able to talk to you as long as possible. Well, thank, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you so much. Thank you for caring. I um. If there's anything else I can do or anything I can give you for your for your viewers and your listeners, I will send it over. Just tell me what they need. If they ask questions, I'm happy to try to answer whatever I can or direct them to the people that can do it. You got it. Thank but you let me so just much. tell you, the three of you are so much further ahead than I ever was. <laughs> well, thank you so well, much, Jason. We've been watching your videos. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And really let me know. If somebody needs some help, because I'll be happy to send any of the resources over so you can have it and, and you can add it um, down below to help people out. Yes, we will. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Easter of your event. Thank <laughs> you. So whoa, ladies, whoa, I so much information. I want to talk about a little history oh, because yeah. You know, one of the videos that Tamsin has on her Instagram talks about how um, she it's 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 one where she's in a therapy office and she's being given antidepressants. Um, but really what's going on is that she's getting anxiety symptoms from menopause. And so sometimes, and it's very common um, for women to be uh, prescribed antidepressants in general, but sometimes we have these changes that are going on hormonally and that's what's going on. Not that we have anxiety or depression or that we have feelings inside our bodies, whether the blood sugar is changing and becoming dysregulated as a result of the hormones. Um which we've learned from our class from Brooke Neese, um, or whether these changes are happening. And I think that's really interesting. And Shay uh, sent me something today that was about um, a little bit of the history around menopause and mental health. So I'm mm. going to read it. Um, by the Victorian era, Women's reproductive health in general, and menopause in particular, were the focus of deep distrust. Physicians believed that there was a link between the womb and the brain, making all women susceptible to insanity. This was thought to be especially true of women in menopause who were believed to suffer from a condition called climacteric insanity. 
As a result, they believed the only logical treatment was to lock up these women in asylums. That makes sense. Yeah, right. The Victorians thought that a woman's ovaries were the seat of feminine essence and that all that was virtuous in women sprang from them. It follows then that if ovaries were deceased or stopped functioning as they do in menopause, then a woman was not of sound mind. The solution they created was to remove the offending organs. This they assumed would make women more compliant, docile, and harder working. Mm. That's so, great. What followed was the surgical removal of the ovaries from hundreds of women, an operation deemed necessary to cure mental disorders, including nymphomania, nymphomania and hysteria. All right, guys. So um, hysterectomies. Hysterectomy. Yeah. Yep. Stopping you from being hysterical. Yeah. I mean, I'm. nobody can stop me from being hysterical. Holy cow. It makes when you were talking earlier, it's like when I was in my 20s, when I was in my late 20s, and I started to, I was going through, I don't know what I was, I was going through something, I was losing my mind. And I went to, I happened to be in Toronto, that's where I lived, and there was this um, hormonal doctor. And for some reason, I went to her, I made an appointment because. I was thinking that I had to go on antidepressant, like I had to go on something and, and because I was online. Right. And, uh, anyway, I went to her and she tested my hormones and she's like, Oh, you have estrogen dominance, you know, and that can make you a little bit intense and, and, you know, off the charts or whatever. She's like, I'm going to give you some natural progesterone. I was in my twenties. And the thing is I went online and I read that, that a lot of the times people are being given, we're being given Prozac. Right. But the Prozac, like that drug, actually intensifies intensifies the estrogen so it was making women like it was like making it so much worse and it's like i'm so grateful some part of me like i don't even know what was calling me to go to that doctor so get go get your hormones tested at 27 years old i mean can you imagine if i'd gone on prozac it would have been so bad yeah mm -hmm. so bad the way that they just immediately put people on medication, you know, and it's also, I, I had this thought the other day, we're so socialized to think medicine is a pharmaceutical. Like for us to believe that medicine comes in any other form, but a pill is really hard for our brains to wrap around. So when you think about therapies or you think about other things that do have value food as medicine, it's really hard for us to believe it's medicine. Mm -hmm. But I also think I have to say like that hormones, uh, you know, pills, hormones get a bad mm -hmm. rap because of that 2002 um, study that came out that Tamsin was talking about. And like for her, her life would be not what it is right now if she hadn't gone on those hormones. For some people, it's a really, really good fit. For other people, it's not. That's why we have to talk to our doctors and we have to see what are my risk factors? Like, would this be a good fit for me? And it's it's like, I, I don't have the answer. I don't, I don't know if that's down the line. It's just also scary when you feel like so many doctors are pushing medication just to play the counterpart, you know, the counter argument here. Um, a lot of doctors will push you on medication or they'll prescribe you something. And then you're obviously going through these stages, you're changing. And so your levels of whatever hormone you are on, right, should also be changing? Is anybody checking that? We just heard how little doctors know about menopause. These are things that like make me nervous. Right. I, well, I have friends that tried the hormone uh, from the doctor and then ended up on the yam hormones. Um, 
or like the but that's only progesterone. So if they progesterone, if, if, yes, progesterone. So if you have an estrogen dominance, then the progesterone is great for balancing that out. But after menopause, like after you stop having, and listen, I'm I'm you know I'm just learning too, but I'm so passionate about it that I'm like, listen. But this is the stuff we have to talk about. This is how you yeah, get to the after, answers. Is by the after that last period when you are officially your period has stopped, your estrogen. So near the end, your estrogen goes. It starts to spike right in perimenopause, mm-hmm. it, and so that's where an estrogen dominance can happen again. And I think that actually might be what's happening for me because I'm in my last, I think I'm in my last five years. Anyway, so then it plummets and it goes down, down. And it's like, um, some people need estrogen. They need to replace that estrogen. It's literally just about balance. It's not about, yeah. med- it's not, it's like, I just think the, the idea of like, you're medicating yourself. It's no, like it's, there's, there's different ways to find balance. For some totally. people, a natural route will not be enough. It is not enough. Yes. Well, natural route wasn't enough for me to get pregnant. I tried, you know, I mean, I think we have to, we, I think it's so, it's such a good idea to have the, the 360, right? How can I eat in a way that's going to be helpful? What supplements can I take? Can I seek therapies like acupuncture and Chinese medicine that will also help me? And can I have a doctor that's open-minded to that, Mm -hmm. but that it's looking from the Western perspective? And I think having the balance of all of that is really necessary and important. You know, I'm, I'm someone that like all about, all about the Chinese medicine. I got, I got herbs right here. I got her here. It feels like for me, it should go nutrition, nutrition, therapies, pharmaceuticals. And so you try the two first, and then you move to pharmaceuticals when you need pharmaceuticals for exactly the reasons that we're talking about here. Like, well, you know, to have a giant plummet of estrogen, you're going to need to replace it in order to stay balanced and to be, be, be on top of it and be ahead of it. Um, and with studies being part, done, we could have a healthier form of estrogen and hormone therapy than we do now. And that's also the goal. I think that the, the studies is key. The fact mm-hmm. that there has never been, never been a complete large federal type of a study done about perimenopause. That's like the main part, like those symptoms, that's the perimenopause part. Menopause is when it stops, right? But it's like perimenopause, there's a there's all these symptoms. There's all this stuff that can happen. And people are like, it's, it's just, there's just such misconceptions about it. The fact that there hasn't been a study is bonkers. So like, and, and instead of like, I, I see it a little bit different, Shay, in terms of like, it should be this and then this and then this. I mean, I don't think any shoulds, I don't like to, sh- I don't like to shit on people, but like, yeah. I, I kind of see it as like more of like a, like, like I'm going to an acupuncturist and she's all about like, she's, she's all about hormone balancing. Right. And you could be into hormone balancing when you're 30 or 40 or 50, you know what I mean? Because it's like, these our hormones are constantly in flux and they're constantly changing. And I love that she's passionate about it. You know what I mean? So that's going to be one of my prongs of my care probably mm-hmm. forever. Right. So it's like, that's, I, I don't really know who the other prongs are going to be yet, but, uh, one just, down. Yeah, one down. I'm just one I'm down just on like, the spork of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so like it to me. It's like a feminist issue to to like that. This is yes, it's great that we are taking stuff on for ourselves to self advocate, but it's like we should have support. Like this is fifty percent of the population. Like this should we should not be this far behind when they're sending people in rockets to possibly go to Mars. Like and they don't. <laughs> there's no studies on perimenopause. Are you joking? 
also having to help women trust the medical system again, because we don't, and we have good reason not to, <laughs> you know, right. we, there's still so, you know, with the women's health issues that we're facing right now, even before menopause, like now it's pap smears every five years for insurance, even though HPV is running rampant. God forbid is you have any endometriosis. Oh, they moved it to five. And now hmm. we have endometriosis. We have, you know, in your in your annual checkups, you're never given an ultrasound to see if you have fibroids or cysts. Raise your hand if you've had a fibroid or a cyst. So well, they it's certainly hard don't to then suddenly start to trust and in, um, absolutely the medical industry. They certainly don't like. There's no um, um, acknowledgement of the period pain and cysts and stuff like that. Is is anything to be like? Can you imagine? I know it's such a it's such a like here we the same refrain over and over again, but can you imagine if this was men? You know what I mean? Like once a month, their 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 balls were just like hurting so much that they needed to take time off work. I think there might be a study about it, guys. Yeah, there would be. My aunt got her period at nine. Can you imagine yeah. those hormonal fluxes and you're in fourth grade and you're going to school and no one else is having this issue and then no one's also talking to you about it? Yeah. And you shouldn't We're talk just, about it. Well, that's exactly what's happening in this study I just read mm -hmm. uh, from the Mayo, the Mayo Clinic, which is like that you're at work and you're experiencing this, right? And you're like 53 or whatever. And you're like, you're in the, you're 53, you're in the, you're in the top of your, you're in your prime as like an executive, as a professional. And like, you can't talk about it. You're not supposed to talk about it. It's too taboo. And, and you, and maybe you can't even talk to your boss about it. And it's like affecting your, your work. It's, this is it's we're far behind. I know. I'm, I'm just, I, I get very emotional. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm quite frankly nervous about it. And one of the things she left out, which I have heard as the symptom that most people are ticked off about is painful sex and vaginal dryness, mm -hmm. brain fog, whatever. But <laughs> as soon as that starts to be out of it, you can't have sex. That's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely more terrified about brain fog as a writer. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I'll get some really high quality lubes happening, but like, no, that's definitely a thing, and that's something that the hormone balancing helps with. You yes, know, he's crazy. Also, connection like with your partner, and if your hormones are all out of whack, if you are in a partnership, this is all. Yeah, I mean, you. There's so many elements there. There's so many elements there of like, you know trying out a cream and this and that when you've never had to do that and where do you go for it and it's just a lot of work well I also just, i think I worse thinking that it's not not knowing that it's the premenopause because we're not talking about it and assuming there's something wrong with you there's something wrong in your relationship maybe you're overly emotional doing all those things where we internalize what's happening to us and create a story because we're not hearing about premenopausal symptoms we don't even yeah. know what's a thing. It's like, you know, if you never hear about like a, f a female jazz pianist, I'm just thinking about something from when I was a teenager and like I heard about Diana Krall and there was this internal misogyny in me. I had never seen a female jazz pianist, right? So I was like, well, obviously women can't be jazz pianists. It's like, it's like, if you aren't talking about this, like it's just everyday, normal, whatever. Like imagine if we had pride. Oh my gosh, my perimenopause. Like if we could just talk about it, like I... Uh, like it's revolutionary. And I do think it's going to happen. I do think that we have made, like Tamsin said, like we're talking about it differently even than just two years ago. So I, I, 
I'm saying this to myself because I don't want to go into like a depression when I watch some of her videos. It's just how, <laughs> how behind we are. Is there anything we can get excited about? Like we're not going to have periods anymore and like not having those hormonal fluctuations from our periods. Is that like, maybe that frees us in some ways and maybe it liberates our mind to think of other things that have been bogged down by the cyclical nature of our reproductive system. Like when are we going to start like hearing those studies, the champion studies of like you will be the best I, I CEO. After I have menopause. to share. I think it's important to share. And I said it earlier, but I, it's like, it's not like some rare one in a million person that doesn't have bad symptoms. It is infinitely possible that the three of us will not have a rough time. Like it, mm -hmm. I, that is, this is absolutely, it's not like there's, it's not like, I, I, I just really want to send this message in case there's younger people listening because it's, I have talked to people, I've been at dinner parties and, and they're like, this is the best moment of my life. And then I had another woman her same age go, what? And they had opposite experiences. And it was so, I was like, this is a joy. This is, this is a balm because I'm hearing someone that literally feels the best they've ever felt. And another person that's had a horrible time of menopause. And guess what? Everything in between. And so it's almost like, I don't want to dread something if it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, you're telling the story before you get there. We don't know. Yeah. Right. It's just, but in the meantime, to educate, Da, 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 is definitely like and support know, your sister that's to gonna leave. have a hard time being a little easier being a little kinder you know yeah that being reminds that mind that makes me think of childbirth some people have an amazing time in terms of like thinking it was the best thing that they've ever done and some women think they'll never be the same and it was the worst experience of their life ex until the baby came out and even then if they were like you know, drugged up, didn't have that experience. So they felt things got taken from them and other women feel like mm. they gained something. And so mm. we do have different experiences. I think being able to talk about all of this, all parts of our reproductive journey um, and be open about it without any stigma, mm. yeah. without any shame would be wonderful. I mean, the good news, here's the other good news. The good news is that medicine and treatments and therapies are evolving. Yep. Um, and I have proof because that same Victorian study that Shay was telling me about, you know, with sending the women to asylums, well, in the Victorian era, gradually the belief that menopause was a sign of madness was replaced by the theory that women's lost virginity could be restored with hormone treatments. And let me just tell you about a few of them. A pharmaceutical company, Merck, stepped up at that point, introducing a treatment called Ovarin, a concoction comprised of shriveled and pulverized cow ovaries blended with a flavored powder. <laughs> I call it over it. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> Yummy. Um, and then the subsequent treatments that hit drugstore shelves, including a product called M&M, which was manufactured uh, with the urine of pregnant women. So um, I'm just going to say, that's something we can be excited about here, that we do have some, we, we, ha we have <laughs> come farther and, uh, you know, and, you know, there are other, there, there are other things that we can do. So now I want to say here's that upcoming this week on Friday 
at Women of Tomorrow and in our community, we have a class called How to Have Happy Hormones. Mm. And uh, that is, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not right. It's not happening this Friday. It's happening Friday. <laughs> there we go. May 19th. Alan got it right. May 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, how to have happy hormones with functional medicine specialist, Brooke Neese. So if you guys are actually interested with real questions about the different stages of uh, your hormonal life, she's going to give us the whole enchilada from start to finish, what to expect with our female hormones. And it's a it's open to questions. Anybody's welcome. It's through women of tomorrow, womenoftomorrow.org. You can uh, become a member of our community or our, or our app and or our app and you can check it out. And if you miss it, you can catch it on demand. So that's exciting. That's yeah. Great. And that's I'm a doctor so who cares it. about women and about this <laughs> issue. So she has studied. <laughs> she spent more than two hours <laughs> reading a Wikipedia about it. <laughs> um well y'all any last things you want to share i know what well, i just wanted to i Not wanted to say again what yes and said in case i know she was at that event so it was i just want to make sure that people people know that they can go online to um I don't, I don't remember the exact link, but you can go and you can search a database so you can find in your area a, like a doctor who's who's qualified and considered and menopause. I think, you know, I, I'm just also passionate about, um, younger women, like, you know, before we're there having this conversation. And I think, you know, there's no reason why we, we should be waiting until it happens. Yeah. What's, what's... I'm actually going to throw that it's, uh, it's NAMS. If you go into your browser, it's NAMS or www.menopause.org. There you go. Yeah. Menopause.org. Hey, uh, or evernow.com. Or patients like me, crowdsourcing information from what other women have gone through. Um, one thing I that, that I want to remind women to is that you don't need to pretend to be the superhero who never feels pain. Everything is always rosy and glowy. And you've never had a period come in your life. And giving birth was the best thing ever. And menopause was easy. And if it was those things for you, wonderful. But you don't need to project that. You're allowed to take up space. In fact, your stories are important for other women to be able to see themselves in it. Compassion and empathy are key to us becoming each other's friends and community so we can fight together as 51% of the population. <laughs> so that's my that's my PSA. And, and one thing I want to say for myself, like I want to reiterate to myself and share it out loud apparently, is like I really do, I don't know how to address that uh, the the fact that there's only 15 million dollars like in federal like like I don't like I don't know who to yell about that vote too. for so women like, vote for women yeah I mean I it's like more women in office like I just I just can't believe in 2023 I mean I don't know when that exact date of that thing was I'm just like I just can't believe it I'm just yeah so I want to like do what I can politically too mm -hmm. and you you also read a book you told me about that um, that had something to do with Alzheimer's and, and menopause. Yes. Yeah, so I had, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned Dr. Moscone, who Tamsin said 
you know, I, I don't know. She said she's a genius. She's a goddess. She's amazing. <laughs> she's I I have been following her for many years now because when she was one of the first people, scientists, doctor persons to start to talk about the link between women's hormones and Alzheimer's, two out of three Alzheimer's patients are women. And for a million years, it was always like, well, women live longer, I guess. It was just like so it was like such bullshit medicine because all the doctors were men, as Shay mentioned earlier. And so she's basically done all this work about the links, like all the stuff that's starting to happen to your brain during menopause, it's directly linked to Alzheimer's. Her book is called The XX Brain. I listened to it on audiobook. I'm going to read it again because there are actionable steps that we can do, whether it's diet, stress, um, um, socializing, like things that you can do right in midlife that are so crucial. We actually have power in helping to decrease our chances of having a life that has dementia and Alzheimer's in it. Like literally, it's extremely powerful to listen to. It's scary, y'all. This it's podcast scary. is also never going to end because we're going to keep doing this. And then I also heard, mm -hmm. I was a part of a brain study at Vanderbilt about um, Alzheimer's and dementia prevention and meditation and the links. And so they put me in an MRI machine and they scanned my brain while I was busy-minded, scanned my brain while I was meditating because they were looking for a release of cerebral spinal fluid, which is what your brain releases when you sleep that pumps through your, your brain, down your spinal column and removes plaque, which is the leading cause of degenerative brain diseases. So I did, I did my little meditation. It was really shitty because I was in an MRI machine. So I was like, I don't know, I was like a five. And my brain in my crappy meditation was pumping 13% more cerebral spinal fluid, which is enough to prevent many degenerative brain diseases. And so there's so much coming out about how to keep ourselves healthy and to help assist with the brain fog in these moments where we're going to be experiencing those symptoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Meditation is absolutely key. She talks about it in the book. The thing is, is that to, to not have that information, like I think a lot of people would be shocked to learn that there's a link between menopause and Alzheimer's, you know, and she goes into great detail and it's not a horror story. It's a really empowering book. And I, you know, there's just things that we can do and she talks about them and I love her. Please follow her. Dr. Lisa Moscone. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you know, we weren't, we weren't supposed to live this long. <laughs> I know, but I'm living long. I'm going for 120, Laura. Same. I mean, I'm, Laura, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick around. Sorry. I'm going to like do puberty again. Like my menopause ends and then I. <laughs> I don't know if I want to live that back. long. You know, it's like you're going to run out of money and then the stresses come and you're like, uh, you lose all your I'm getting better stuff. with age though. Don't you feel it? I I'm definitely feel like I'm, I definitely year. feel like I'm getting better with age in terms of being wise. But I also. I'm excited um, for our 90 year old conversations and the answers well, honey, I honey, just listen listen to me now say do you remember back in the day when you used to sing about lady problems oh i do i do believe i do why don't you grab me a tab <laughs> well it's funny how you developed an accent as we're gonna yeah. be southern as we age that's my old lady more, that's my old lady I just hope I'm not, I'm not, I hope I'm not this part. What? And she lost what? her teeth. Every, she doesn't have many teeth. <laughs> All right. We've gone down the rabbit hole. Okay. Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed this uh, live podcast. If 
uh, you want to hear it again, it'll be available on the Broadway Podcast Network, Women of Tomorrow podcast. And if you want to um, check out our How to Have Happy Hormones. And if you uh, want to join Women of Tomorrow. uh, It's May 19th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. You guys have a great night. Don't have night sweats. (laughs) Hey, hey, she came to play. Oh, oh, get out of her way. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, friend. I got front row seats to watch the Queen ascend. Baby, how you feeling? Breaking that glass ceiling. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.